Carey has postponed a concert in Hawaii this month due to the coronavirus outbreak. Instead, she'll be replaced by a more coronavirus-friendly performer, Purell Williams. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> I like that joke. <laughs> um, so we were just discussing the uh, media's... Uh, not ref- the media not reflecting reality on the ground about the coronavirus. Right. N- nor much else Sean, about life, honestly. And, and Sean was making that comment. When do they, when do they have, the, have they ever? Not in your lifetime have they. I, th- I wonder if it's a generational thing. I grew up kind of expecting the media to reflect what's actually happening in the world. Mm-hmm. You, being younger, kind of see even mainstream media is more like the National Enquirer as you walk yes. by the newsstand. Well, just the, I grew up in the... So-and-so's it, on the edge of death. You know, that sort of thing. And you think, whatever. Right. Well, marriage <laughs> breaking up. The, the news, by almost definition, is the rarities that happen in society, right? Uh, and it's becoming less that way with, you know, decriminalization becoming a thing. But, right, uh, there's not as many murders happening in your neighborhood as are reported on the news. That's been true my whole life. Right. And, right. You hear the worst thing that happened anywhere. Right. Every single day. You know, the other aspect of it, and folks not familiar with the media might not know this. I bet a lot of you do, but... It used to be that the news department of anything, whether it was NBC or, or the New York Times or your local paper or, or whatever, it was not expected to turn a profit. Yes. It was a point of pride. It was really a requirement. You would be humiliated were this not true. Your news department is accurate, they're sober, and they're informative. If the president of NBC turned a profit in 1973, say, with news, but it was like news is now, he would be driven out of the business, probably stripped naked, whipped, and sent into the streets. I mean, it would be completely unacceptable. Now it's completely required. Every single information outlet needs to be profitable, and and they're desperate, so they behave like, you know, horny teenagers. It's just they... they They're just out of control. Well, while I I don't watch the news, you shouldn't, son. Good idea. Well, I think Sean is probably right that all the news is more like the National Enquirer. I don't think it's anything wrong with hoping for or expecting that the news should better reflect what's actually happening. I think that'd be better for society. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I'm looking at this. So somebody tweeted this at me, and it's it's pretty good. Um, Using Seattle as a for instance, and they've had more cases in Washington than anywhere else in the country. Um, the Seattle Times, top of the fold, front page, China tried a lockdown. Should Seattle? Um, um no. And, and Thank well, you for asking. That's a, I don't know who wrote the headline, but they get into the story, and basically they say, nah, that wouldn't be a very good idea. It'd be an overreaction. But I like this story better. Uh, in the Seattle Times, ghost town Seattle, amid coronavirus concerns, the show goes on for music fans and venues. The reason for this story was an NBC News headline. Joe just kicked NBC. An NBC News headline earlier this week calling Seattle a ghost town was widely panned among local social media critics in Seattle. So NBC National News said, Seattle's a ghost town now. And Seattle Seattle reacted. Let's go to Starbucks. And the people of Seattle reacted saying, what are you talking about? Yeah. Some businesses like Chinatown and others have experienced some declines, but local venue operators where bands are playing and everything like that have seen no difference whatsoever. And they've got a picture here of a packed club from last night with people out watching a band. It's not a ghost town. In fact, there hasn't even been a dip in the number of people coming to any of the shows. Wow. That's disturbing. It is disturbing. What is, there's no, 
well, getting clicks and views and all that sort of stuff and making money, but the national news shouldn't be saying crap like Seattle's a ghost town with the, when it's not, not only is it not a ghost town, nothing's changed. Mm. That's just out of bounds. Yeah. We got to expect better. Something new needs to emerge. Does it? I think I, it will. I, I don't know. I don't know how it'll be funded. It may emerge from the ashes of our society, Jack. I don't know how it would be funded. That's the problem. <laughs> if it emerged. Yeah. So it's my understanding that initially, when all television was over the, the broadcast airwaves, the, the FCC made a deal with the TV networks. Hey, we'll allow you to, to broadcast over these airwaves, but you need to dedicate a certain block of time for programming that is the, sure. for the greater good of the Public community. service. Right. That was what the news originally was intended to do. It, was, it didn't have to make a profit, but I think Joe nailed it. it in, I grew up in the for-profit news era, and so I have no expectations of the news networks to do anything other than make money. If you are in mass media, you need the masses. And 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 this sounds elitist, but uh, present companies accept it. You gotta dumb it down if you're gonna attract the masses. I mean, the really big masses, almost without exception. And that's what we're seeing. It's dumb. Well, it's really dumb. Oh, if you're just tuning in, the single most stupid conversation ever had in the history of television. <laughs> we'll play that again for you. Coming right up. More from the Seattle Times article responding to the NBC News headline, Seattle is a ghost town amid coronavirus outbreak. Uh, Local venue operators, including the Seattle Theater Group, which runs three theaters and book shows at other clubs, reported seeing no changes in attendance or ticket sales this week. Oh, my God. So empty, you mean. Area concerts have continued as planned. You were there last night. People definitely came out, said the co-owner of one of the uh, the hot clubs in Seattle. If you walked around, there were people all over the place. Seattle is a ghost town, says NBC, amid coronavirus concerns. And that's the same channel yelling at me about the president's lack of response is unconscionable. Well, hey, the Americans town, looking to the White House for reassurance. The town you just told me is a ghost town is responding. No, we're not. Everything's normal. Yeah. So how am I supposed to believe this other thing? Well, so that's just that's not like spin or 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 uh, bias. That's just fiction. Well, yeah, you're just you're stating the opposite of what happened. You're making something up. You you might as well go the next step to a a giant lizard creature has stepped <laughs> onto the the, yes. the shore and is walking around town stomping on yes. If you're just gonna, Lilla, Lilla, if you're Lilla, just gonna completely Lilla. make things up. <laughs> There's a big difference between Ghost Town and the company that runs all the theater places. And then we have had no difference whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, wh- what the hell? Oh, man, I despise the media. It's amazing. Um, and, and I'm in it, which causes me great grief. No, it doesn't really. It's it's kind of fun to be a thorn in the side of the mainstream media. Uh, der, 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 uh, one of our bosses a long time ago used to call when something huge would happen. Uh, an election would be a good example or or, you know, honestly, I think he may have said it. I hate to say this about the Iraq War or whatever. He'd call it the, um, in the case of the Iraq War, the 2003 Talk Radio Full Employment Act. Um, and, and that's what these stories are frequently. They're just ways to whip up your fear and get you to tune in. So, anyway. God, but we've gone from... Shaded, shade a story a little bit, exaggerate a little bit to just state the opposite of what is true. Bullshit. Exactly, oh, Mr. Mr. President. President. Sir. Exactly. Sir. Oh, you know, I'm in the mood for a little bonus mailbag. We barely had time for mailbag. You can email us anytime. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. 
Uh, speaking of the president and the Chuck Schumer uh, controversy yesterday where Schumer threatened Supreme Court justices. Tried to gather up a posse to go after the Supreme Court. Practically, and certainly uh, implied that inciting violence was fine. And then in the phony, lying media, they falsely compared the president saying, Sonia Sotomayor and, 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 and who was the other gal? Oh, uh, RBG. have been making speeches about how they don't like me. They really ought to recuse themselves from anything to do with me. Which, you know, is, is a legally questionable argument. But it's not, well, I tell you what it's not. It's not comparable to, to implying Gorsuch and Kavanaugh ought to be assaulted. And you will pay the price. They won't know what hit them. Great, Scott. And on that theme, Michael, can we have the traditional theme music for the beautiful, the gentle, the Japanese art of the haiku? Tim has written us a uh, Schumer haiku. Jack, as I think you know, the beauty of the haiku is in the limitations, the five syllables, the seven, the five. Chuck blasts Supreme Court. Gonna unleash the whirlwind. Pure bloviation. Ah, the haiku. Do you enjoy it as much as I do, Positive Sean? I love it. And, and so fantastic dumb. use of a four-syllable word in there. That's, that's hard. So dumb. Extra points. Yeah. Extra points. Boy, that, that was an art form way before Netflix. <laughs> way before anything else to do. <laughs> way before Nintendo Switch came along. I, wow. I, can't, can't imagine trying to get my kids' attention with a little haiku this afternoon. You know what we should do for fun, kids? <laughs> Put down the Nintendo Switch. Well, maybe they should. <laughs> well, they probably actually should. Mm, but. Mm, mm. My point is, I think it was driven by lack of anything else to do. Possible. <laughs> so, listen, one more kick to the media. We'll play you the single most stupid conversation ever had. Uh, coming up in a few minutes, then uh, Phoenix's unconstitutional ride-sharing tax. Folks! Liberty, you got to stand up for it or it will go away. And much, much more. Stay with us. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Somebody tweeted recently that um, actually with the money he spent, he could have given every American a million dollars. I've got it. Let's put it up yeah. on the screen. It, when I read it uh, tonight on social media, it kind of all became clear. Bloomberg spent $500 million on ads. U.S. population, $327 million. Uh, don't tell us if you're ahead of us on the math. He could have given each American $1 million and have had lunch money left over. It's an incredible way of putting it. It's an incredible way of putting it. It's true. It's disturbing. It does, it does suggest, you know, what we're talking about here, which is there, there's too much money in politics. That's extraordinary. There is so much dumb there. It's difficult to know where to begin. First of all, if Bloomberg had divided the money up among all Americans, everybody would have gotten a dollar and 52 cents. Uh, so the math is hilariously wrong. Um, if you give 300 people a million dollars, stay with me now, that would be $300 million. And then the commentary. I mean, nobody can know that for sure. <laughs> the fact that nobody had anything to say, it was just, it was so terrible. Hmm. That's an interesting way to break it down. That is an interesting way to break it down. Really makes you think. Makes you think. 
Um, really, really makes you think. I got something good for Joe to mock coming up. How to stop Ooh. touching your face from the New York Times. Is everybody telling us Please. to stop touching our face? Four key ways to stop touching your face. Also, number one, stop touching your face. Number two, <laughs> try when you again. start to s- touch your face, stop doing it. <laughs> Uh, how much it costs to live comfortably in a whole bunch of different cities across America, which is always worth pointing out. Yes. Uh, important information to have as you look at statistics that will be thrown at you throughout your life. Yep, yep. And uh, and also, Phoenix uh, has a new ride-sharing tax. It is flamingly unconstitutional. I want to talk about that because, folks, as I said before, if you don't protect your liberty, it will go away. But speaking of misinformation, I just could not let this one go. I was looking for it yesterday. I forgot. Anyway, um... This Yale professor tweeted, talking about uh, Liz Warren dropping out of the race. Third place in her own state. Third place among women in her own state. This learned leader in America's Ivy League school said, to repeat the obvious, there's no other explanation for mis- except for misogyny. For what has happened to no, Senator Warren this year. You're making that up. Or Sadly, a proof of concept. Profoundly depressing. You're making this up. Yeah. And it got one point, it got 1,500 likes. Okay? You're, make, you're making this up, or she's saying that just to be like. It's a he. A troll. It's like, a he. Okay. He's it's saying the it to be worst troll. sort of male would be feminist. So you believe that in, among liberals, because it's only lefties that really matter to the Democratic nomination anyway. Yes. Among liberals, there's so much misogyny that uh, that's the... I mean, I do, do people actually believe that? It is so astonishing, a lack of insight. To repeat the obvious, there is no other explanation except for misogyny. For what has happened to Senator Warren this year, James Lindsay, friend of the Armstrong and Getty show, an academic guy himself, says, not a single other possibility, Yale professor, not one. Another reply liked, my vocabulary is not great. Does misogyny mean not trusting people when they appear to be perpetually dishonest? I didn't go to Yale. Another one I like. Maybe just maybe she was a lousy candidate. And then this one. It's an odd statement to make when a woman won the Democratic primary last election cycle, but I suppose I cannot grasp the nuance of no other explanation. Well, and there are plenty of polls that show 90% of people say they don't care if the president's a woman. And, right. I, and I personally have never met a person in my life I don't that's ever even hinted toward they'd have a problem with a female president. Right. And then for those of us who've, who've spent some time and money... In uh, universities, I like this uh, final reply. I'll probably come up with more later, but final for now. Um, what evidence would be sufficient to challenge that assertion? <laughs> and it's a picture of a little kitten. <laughs> I think the implication being, um, that is not only an ironclad statement of no other uh, possibility. That may be the worst theory I've ever heard in my life. Well, around here, we're a little cynical about the whole Ivy League, America's elite universities, bullcrap. It's marketing by those colleges. Don't fall for it. Don't obsess over it. Don't get yourself hundreds of thousands of dollars into debt to go to an alleged prestigious college unless you're on the sort of career track where it really, really matters. It's mostly a waste of money. 
What do you think Elizabeth Warren is angling for, though, since she got out and didn't immediately endorse anybody? What's she, uh, she trying to pull off there? I think she needs to choke down her bitterness for a while. I think she is really unhappy. Well, she's angry. She's resentful. She's sad. What's different about her? I mean, because Mayor Pete and Amy Klobuchar, they obviously didn't have to choke down their bitterness. They endorsed Biden within like an hour of dropping out. I think they'd come to terms with it. Uh, they'd, they'd seen it coming. I don't, I don't know. I've, I've, I wouldn't want to spend not, much time I'm inside not, Liz Warren's head. <laughs> trying to just be argumentative, but no, it's okay. Pete won Iowa. He had yes. reason to believe he might be going somewhere. He did. Elizabeth Warren finished third, fourth, fourth, and fifth. When did she ever think she was going to be president? Maybe last summer when she was at the top of the polls. But Well, perhaps like this Yale professor, she had a strong opinion that was not supported by fact. Yeah. Um, I, I, I've never spent any time inside her head. I have a feeling it would be terrifying. I just wondered if the, if you thought maybe she was trying to angle for something, trying to get something. Well, like they a all promise are. of a... I think so. I, I think she... I think Liz Warren may suffer from a bit of a superiority complex. I think she has a very, very high opinion of herself. Of course, anybody who runs for president does. You know, uh, Trucker Carlson made a point the other night, and we've got some tape. We'll play it for you a little bit later on, that she co-wrote a book a number of years ago that was thoroughly reasonable and very, very smart, but is now her candidacy died of wokeness. So I'm not sure who she is, really. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Researchers at MIT have come up with a major technological breakthrough. They've invented something called a smart diaper that will text your phone (laughs) when your baby has wet itself. (laughs) Yeah, great idea. If there's one thing I know about parenting, is is that you should never take your eyes off your phone. (laughs) But this is nice. If you're doing something on your phone and you're too busy to change a diaper, the app will automatically tell the baby, new phone, who this? (laughs) Wow. 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 Hilarious and troubling. Coming up in a moment, the latest list of what it costs to... um survive comfortably in cities across the country, just pointing out how it's different from place to place, and I think that's valuable information everybody should always have in the back of their head when they're hearing any policy discussion about anything. Sure. And if you don't know it, you're uh, you're, you're, you're missing the boat. Um, uh, a different way to look at the war in Afghanistan is that appears to be winding down, although there was a huge attack yesterday, so I don't know where that's going to end up. Taliban can't stop blowing up people. I, I don't even think the word war is useful anymore. Probably not. It's just, it's an extremely dangerous country that we're helping them police. Yeah. Well, you know, that was the knock on Vietnam, Korea, number of things, police actions. Looks more like that here than, than any time. Oh, yeah, I would say absolutely. I mean, Vietnam, theoretically, you could drive back the north and, and prop up the Saigon regime and, and have something like democracy. There's no chance of that in Afghanistan. Not a chance. But that in a second. How to stop touching your face. So the You um, can't. What's our next topic? Who is it told us we're supposed to stop touching our face? Hey, everybody. All the health authorities are. And... The, the lady standing sitting next to the president the other day. What does she run? Oh, she's, well, she's with she's, the CDC. I can't remember her title. But... And the president hilariously said, uh, I miss touching my face. I haven't touched my face in weeks. I miss it. 
And you were talking earlier about how it's really uh, unrealistic to expect not to touch your face. The I New think York it's Times, completely unrealistic and maybe not even a good idea. The New York Times has four ways to stop touching your face. Number one, amputate your arms. It's a very difficult habit to break because we do all do it all the time. We're not even aware we're doing it sometimes. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely right. Yep. Uh, step number one, keep a box of tissues handy. When you feel the urge to scratch an itch, rub your nose or adjust your glasses, grab a tissue and use that instead of your fingers. I kind of do that. If I got to rub my eyes, I try to use something other than my fingers. Mm, that's probably a good idea. Particularly on my eyes. That's a mouth touch, Pat. identify the triggers pause throughout the day to notice compulsive behavior once you're more aware of when and why you're touching your face address the root cause of the situation if you find yourself an itch if you find yourself rubbing your eyes because they're dry use moisturizing drops if you're using your hand as a chin rest or to adjust your hair be aware of that what am i supposed to use as a i'll start adjusting my hair with my feet i am now aware of it Excellent. Now, listen, now what? Listen, <laughs> this is this is a criticism not of you, sir, Jack, but uh, of the New York Times. I feel myself getting dumber as I hear this. I read this article only to mock it. So, oh, I get but that. It's, yeah. it's it's in the New York Times, and it's in the <sighs> it's it's designed for smart people. In theory, in theory, resting your hand on your chins. We're going to stop doing that. No. Oh no no. Get a sheet of sixty grit sandpaper and. When you want to rest your chin on something, rest it on that, because it'll soon be painful, and it'll be punishment that you will remember. This is an interesting one. If you Hold rec- your head up with your neck, you lazy <laughs> piece of garbage. <laughs> That's what your neck is for. This is a good one. If uh, I hadn't heard this. If you wear contacts, start wearing glasses, so you don't have to touch yourself in the eyes. Huh. You got to wash your hands before you do that anyway. You know, and I hate to always go back to the whole flu thing, but are you going to stop doing this after the coronavirus, but keep touching your eyes with the flu around, which kills way more and more people? I I don't know. Kind of just... Also said, while masks are not very effective for, for preventing virus transmission, this doctor said, they can be helpful for providing a physical barrier against touching your nose or mouth. So... I have heard this over and over again, that the masks don't do much good, yet they're sold out all over the place. Right. And, and you know what's funny? They say they really don't do you any good, and we need them all for health professionals. Well, yeah, wait a minute. That's confusing Those to me. two things do not square, my friends. You are tr- clearly trying to mislead us. What are you confused by? Yeah, the, the full gas mask like Sean is wearing right now is the way to go. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. You want a, a clean shave so you get a good seal on the mask. and uh, Right. Yeah. Try I, to touch your eye, Sean. Try. See, ow, you can't. Ow, it hurts my fingers. <laughs> right. Ow. You, you can't, can you? Ow. Good. good. And, and, the, and if you don't own a gas mask, I suggest a dry cleaning bag fastened tight around your neck. <laughs> Oh, jeez. I'm going to put this bad boy on eBay for a couple thousand bucks. You might as well try, man. (laughs) My work. Um, And then the the fourth stupid suggestion from the New York Times (laughs) on how to avoid touching your face. Keep your hands busy. And they show somebody with a stress ball. Or other objects that you can use to to keep your hands busy. Grope your coworkers. (sighs) Drum constantly on your desk. Because that never bothers anybody. Just all day long, right there in the cubicle. <laughs> Better than touching your eyes. Touch Just your eyes, you die. Remember, it rhymes. Touch your eye and you Stop die. Stop the hammering. That's got to be the sign that we put in cubicles all across America. Touch your eye, you might die. <laughs> all right. Uh, cost of living comfortable in, uh, comfortably in America's 50 biggest cities. 
And uh, we do this list, comes out regularly all the time. I wonder what they mean by comfortably. Um, you can afford a house, you can afford to uh, live the American dream. Yeah, I have a feeling it's, um, you know, your standard. You get your bills paid, maybe you got a little leftover for fun savings at the end of the month. Yeah. Uh, fantastic. So, um, doesn't require a lot of thought, but the lowest to live comfortably is El Paso, Texas, fifty grand a year. Albuquerque's fifty three, Wichita, Kansas fifty five. I had not realized that the cost of living was so reasonable in Albu- Albuquerque. How interesting. Tucson fifty five. Um, so all those places. Oh, Det- Detroit, Michigan's fifty two. Well, that's the, the only big city in this list. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Down in the low in the fifties. So all those places you can live comfortably for $50,000 a year. Then on the higher end, and the only point of this screed, whenever we do it, is when you hear politicians saying, people that make more than blank a year need to, or whatever. What the hell does that mean? It's completely different if you live in Wichita than if you live in, for instance, San Francisco, the most expensive place in America to live comfortably, where you'd need at least $123,000. So the difference between El Paso and... And uh, and San Francisco is two and a half times. Yeah. Yeah, wow. It's almost triple. The idea of a national tax rate or a national uh, financial, you know, uh, dividing point of really anything is just crazy. Or labeling somebody the rich. Right. And what they need to do for the rest of us. No, that's easy. You got more than me. You're the rich, exactly. right? And which makes you bad. Which means I'm good. Which means I deserve your stuff. I should have some of your stuff. So they said 123 in San Francisco. Yeah, because that seems low. Well, yeah, you could live comfortably in a pretty questionable hood with a roommate, maybe. <laughs> yeah. So obviously, their their comfortably is not my comfortably. Um, and and I would suggest that you know if you're making say 175 in San Francisco, then you're starting to live a fairly similar life to somebody making you know 75 in suburban Wichita, for instance. You probably have fairly similar ability to indulge in um, uh, luxuries and that sort of thing. Go out for dinner, go out for a movie, that sort of thing. Uh, give your your spouse a nice present for your anniversary, that sort of thing. Um, but it's the difference between one hundred and seventy five thousand seventy five thousand. So yeah, to have a national, if you make over X, you get taxed Y. It's just it's just not smart, and it's it's so obvious to me. It scares me a little bit that nobody ever talks about it. So I hit you with all the uh, the least expensive places, the all the most expensive places that you'd probably guess most of them. San Francisco at the top. Then you've got New York, D.C. Then you go back to California with, I'm going to sneeze. Come oh, here, he's go. got it. Oh, no. that, I saw the corona fly oh, out. No. Look at the droplets. Look at, yeah. Oh, no, I'm touching my eyes. I can't stop touching my eyes. Put on boxing gloves. It's amazing. California's got three of your top five there. San Francisco, Oakland, San Jose. Mm-hmm. All right. cheek but jowl all, with each other. All. Why don't you just say the barrier? Yeah, there are people listening right now who've driven through two of those three to get to work. Sean has redonned his gas mask. I took I my sneeze. mask off for a second, and Jack just sneezes right in my face. Don't let your guard down, son. It's terrible. Ever vigilant. And then me, I've had my time on this big blue marble. Line. Wow, you really you feel like your time has passed. <laughs> I'm ready. Uh, I'm ready for whatever's next. I'm gonna wander off like an old elephant to the edge of the forest, or. Savannah or wherever elephants live. 
Old folks' homes. Uh, Old elephants' homes. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And then finally this, as I mentioned, a different way to look at the war in Afghanistan. I thought this was kind of interesting. This was David French in the dispatch pushing back against the idea that the war in Afghanistan was a failure uh, uh, in any way. Uh, 20 years, all that money, lots of people injured or dead. Uh, We now know that behind the scenes they had no idea what they were trying to accomplish (laughs) at any point, but it just kept going. Oh, yeah, and it kept shifting. But he made this point, and I thought it was pretty interesting. A bit of perspective is in order, said David French. If I had told you the day after 9-11 that American military strategy would be so successful that there would not be a single large-scale international terror attack in the United States for the next 19 years, you would have thought I was wildly optimistic. Yes, true. And that's probably true. Uh, I'm not sure to what extent you can credit the effort in Afghanistan for that. I don't know either. Uh, I, and, and listen, some, absolutely, it gets some of the credit. I just don't know, is it 30% or 60 or 90? I just, I don't know. But the day after 9-11 or, you know, weeks after 9-11, if you'd have said there'll be no major attack in the United States in the next two decades, I'd have thought, how is that even possible? Yeah. Yeah, I'm. Uh, my thoughts have turned sober, Jack, and I hate that. Um, no one wants to be sober on a Friday. Exactly. Our greatest danger is from our own sociopaths. Yeah, that that he he goes on to say that. Oh, okay. If I had told you that the biggest danger would have been from homegrown nut jobs. Yeah, people who were just angry and wanted to kill a bunch of people, and and the media that was in, complicit in making them famous and into heroes. Anyway, just yeah. a different way to look at it. Yeah, I guess so. But uh, at this point, I think most of us are agreed it's time to get out and quit risking our guys to whatever extent is possible. So I want to talk about the Phoenix ride-sharing tax. It's clearly unconstitutional. Um, and just the the government constantly looking for money, more and more and more money, and trying to run more and more and more things. And I think, I'm afraid, me, you, us, all of us, We've kind of lost our pride and our excitement, our enthusiasm for creativity and free enterprise and what's next. And I don't think we want to lose that as a country. So that and a whole lot more coming up. Armstrong and Getty. This week has a big milestone. It's the 175th anniversary of Florida becoming a state. Florida is 175 years old, which is why it moved to Florida in the first place. (laughs) Hilarious. I thought it was funny. This just in from the WHO, an actual announcement from the WHO that says drinking. World Health Organization, Jack. Drinking alcohol will not kill the coronavirus. Can't hurt. It's an announcement from the World Health Organization. Oh, they mean like rubbing alcohol. Good Lord, that's poisonous. Well, alcohol in general, I'm sure, is not going to yeah, kill Neither it. one will help. Neither one's a good idea. One will actively harm you. <laughs> yeah, Spraying but I, alcohol on your body is not a good idea either. This. <laughs> but, but pouring it down my throat will make me forget my problems. Fifth of Hennessy. Right. That's right. right. And it is Friday. By golly. Drinking alcohol won't help if the virus has already entered your body. 
says the World Health Organization. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. Thank, you, Thank you for answering the question nobody has asked. Yeah. Uh, er, do I have time for this? I just want to say this very, very briefly. If you are new to the Armstrong and Getty show, and a lot of people are. Welcome. We're on n- new places, new stations, um, and or, you know, word of mouth, people are, are tuning in. It's different. It's it's a little odd in the world of talk radio. You have to give it a little while to get used to it. Listen every day for maybe a year. If you don't like it at that point. <laughs> uh, I actually like that idea very much, but it's it's one of those things where if you don't give it a little time, you might get a distorted idea of who we are and what we're about. Um, and just so so give it a little time. And there are plenty of statistics to bear this out. People who do tend to listen for, for years and years and years. So I know it's a lot to ask, but we're asking it. Moving along. It took me six months. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Michael. Pressing the buttons in the control room. Phoenix has inflicted a new ride-sharing tax on ride-sharing services at the fabulous Sky Harbor Airport, one of my favorite airports in America. Um, and and our good friends... Oh, and Ubering out of there is so much better than going to get a rental car. Oh, oh Lord. That's a nightmare. Oh, Lord. Um, and, and our good friend Tim Sandifer from the Goldwater uh, Foundation is in the middle of suing, or has just begun suing... Um, that new tax on the rideshare services. Um, actually, they've filed a friend of the court brief. They're joining in the lawsuit. But anyway, um, and it's, it is just a flaming violation of a new law in Arizona, and specifically Phoenix, about taxes and fees. And it's, it's just extraordinary some of the arguments that uh, the government is making to try to hammer the people with this, um, this new tax. They're trying to say it's not a tax; it's a it's a fee uh, on people engaged in services. It's like the fees charged to say run a restaurant out of the airport. You're you're paying rent on offering services why within do, the airport. But why do you have to do it? Well, what's the necessity for it? Well, and listen, and this is not part of the fancy pants legal arguments being made, which are devastating. And the judge is going to take a look at this for about 20 seconds and say, are you kidding? This is unconstitutional. You've got to get rid of it. He might even come over the bench and, and like assault the, the lawyers who are arguing in favor. For it. It's just so obvious. But, <laughs> but and, and, and Tim Sandifer and other people make the point, well, wait a minute. The, the, the restaurants inside the airport, they have a contract. They have a specific space. They share revenue, blah, blah, blah. An Uber driver doesn't have a contract with the airport. And here's my common guy, average Joe argument. If I wanted to, I could get in my car, drive into Sky Harbor Airport, park briefly by the curb, then start driving again, and do that every single day for the rest of my life. That would not be a very, you know, satisfying or rewarding existence. But I could do that, sure, and nobody would know, and nobody would care, and it really wouldn't cost the airport anything other than the one one trillionth of the wear on the pavement uh, that you know I contributed to, and that's all Uber drivers are doing. There's no reason to tax them and charge them fees or Lyft drivers. I'm sorry, I tend to lean toward Uber, but Lyft is a perfectly fine ride service. It's just it's ridiculous on every single level. But there's there's a bigger point here, if you don't live anywhere near Phoenix. And that is, we have been lulled or duped into getting the whole thing backward. How many of us think 
we can only do something if the government says it's okay. Like saying, I got a car, you need a ride, give me 10 bucks, I'll give you a ride home. Why in the world would the government even regulate that, much less tell me I'm not allowed to do that unless I pay them? You ought to be able to do whatever you want to do any time of day, as long as it does not hurt anyone else, does not break their arm or steal the purse, as uh, Thomas Jefferson put it. Why he was carrying a purse, I don't know. Don't ask, don't tell. But please, everybody, remember the idea of liberty. The government doesn't permit you to do what you want to do. You can do, it's a free land. That's the whole idea. Unless there is a specific reason the legislature says, hey, guys, what you're doing there, it's it's hurting other people. It's uh, polluting, perhaps. It's it's uh, it's unfair. Just come on, everybody. Liberty. It's important. Man, don't be lulled into sheepdom. You put up the one part of fence, then the other part of fence, then the other part of fence. Maybe you've seen this on the Internet. Then you're all fenced in. Lured into sheepdom. Yes. That's going to be the title of your new book. You want to be a sheep? 